Hello, welcome. Greetings, cultivators of the future. Welcome to the Ask Their Education podcast. We're back at it again. Happy New Year. It's 2022. We're consistent now. We're, we're on point. We're on the ball. Hopefully you guys are too. What's some new thing that you guys are achieving in 2022? And you should give your question, Miss Catherine, before we continue. Oh, my trivia? Yeah, yeah, because we'll forget, yeah. so you should do it now. So before the before the break, we had had a, or before the, the holidays came, we had had a question, what was one or arguably intended consequence of the federal government's public housing laws and initiatives uh, when we were talking about housing and education? And I'm sure many of you guessed it, it was racial segregation. Um, ended up kind of helping resegregate neighborhoods um, through those housing aspects. And then this week's question is rolling off of our interview that we had had with Frederick, who was on last episode. And uh, so I want to ask how many HBCUs you all think are in the United States across the nation and which one is currently coming in first. And I want to recognize that in I just saw the news today in a number of cities where or states where HBCUs have been closed down, HBCUs are there and which one is coming in first. And then just to roll off that same conversation, uh, for anyone who is considering higher education, but you're worried about the cost, HBCUs are a great, uh, like a great and challenging and very um, competitive option. And they in-state, a lot of them run about $7,000 a year, still a lot, but nowhere near the cost of a PWI. And then for out-of-state, it's about twice that, so about $14,000 a year, but that's still significantly more affordable than the $50,000 a year that you generally pay at a PWI. Which is what I, I ended up paying. Well, I forget the exact numbers, but I definitely did go to a private school, so... Definitely yeah. try to make, make take advantage of those, uh, you know, different even like community colleges too, or like you know state mm -hmm. colleges, all that stuff. You know, my my parents wanted me to do that, but <laughs> I I wanted to explore a new city. Sometimes you got to explore a new city as well. So, but with the HBCU, you can still do that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Well, we didn't even oh, introduce man. ourselves. Well, I'm Robert. You guys know me, uh, Robert Aswood, cultivator of the future you know we all have titles everybody has a name this is miss catherine miss catherine hello how you're doing what is your some of your aspirations for 2022 in three words go oh all right i have some goals set out for myself that i want to reach all right so one of goals oh, oh man you, you only, so see, I, already I, used too many words you used too many words already <laughs> oh okay 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 i'm starting over three three goals okay well three it could be three things like it could be goals it could be Higher income. Okay, yeah. Um, Re-examine personal finances. Explore COVID pending one new one new country. Okay, okay. I haven't traveled in a bit, so. All right, and you know, I, I could definitely um, attest to that too. It's been probably 14, 14 years before I did a real travel, so. Well, you know, now that we got all the, the trivial stuff, the, the fun stuff, you had a real actual issue that people probably would want to know about. Introduce it. What do you think? Oh, I guess I'll introduce it. So the topic was, what do you think about schools or what do you think about police presence in schools? Like, what can we do to 
clear that presence or what can we do to cultivate a more, I feel like socially, not acceptable, but supportive environment. So, so like a more socially supportive environment. I feel like, well, let me not even start getting into what I feel like. So yeah, boom, like that's the setup. But like, you know, what, what are the specific questions that you have in terms of policing in the police presence in our schools? Yeah. So I think um, a lot of people are familiar with the school to prison pipeline. Um, I would I would hope um, where there's this idea of students going from schools directly into prison systems. And then if you look at a lot of, I'm gonna say global majority communities, there are contentious relationships with police localized police departments. And I was kind of, you know, where does that start? That starts in schools. Whereas, you know, if you're a, if you're a six-year-old, you go to public school, you're in kindergarten, there are police and there's SROs in those schools. Um, and so are they helping or are they harming communities' relationships with policing? And are they helping or are they harming a student's access to a healthy learning environment? So the questions I got to have is, what does policing in schools look like? I'm, I know, I know we have, we know we see the physical presence of police in schools, but what does policing can be many ways. What is policing in schools? Why do we have police in schools? Who gets policed the most? And what gets policed the most? That's kind of what we're, we're rolling with today. Well, the first thing I'm thinking of is the, the, the metal detectors, because I don't know, that just looks like a very, uh, it just that doesn't, it's not very becoming of, of a school system. You, you see a metal detector as soon as you walk in, the first thing you think of, okay, a place where people would have weapons, like, well, I don't know. Like, I feel like that shouldn't be a, a thing. And like, I know sometimes, you know, kids do some stupid things, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like that, that definitely, that's one way it looks like that it appears is the, the metal detectors. Like what are, is the underlying message that is sent by having that in schools? Cause I know luckily for me, I didn't have, like go to a school that had one. Like I know I did a test, you know, like, you know, like SAT or one of those kinds of tests in another school that had it. So I, but I always know every time I would go through it, I don't know, you just feel like, well, you're not at an airport, you know, like you would see that maybe at an airport or someplace like, again, like where people would want to steal something or where people would want to, I don't know, you know, like I would think like maybe a courtroom. Okay. That makes sense. Um, but you think about a school, you think. It's, you know, it's interesting the way we see certain schools being policed and where, where you're going to get the most officers on a campus or the highest number of medical medical detectors or or you know screenings and bags getting checked and um, students kind of being patrolled uh, they are going to be in a predominantly global majority area and then some, and then you hear the news though and and you see that oftentimes where you get some of the highest rates of mass school shootings are not necessarily within the schools that have the most police on guard, which is indicative of how we are treating our students across the board. Who are we preparing to already have it ingrained in them that they are criminal? Yeah, I think that's what that, what that metal detector does is kind of, it does a 
an intrinsic message or an implicit message that, uh, oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm just a criminal or I'm a I'm around that environment that has to be, that needs this kind of policing, like quote unquote policing, because the metal detector itself is a form of policing. So. Mm -hmm. And I, and I won't say that, you know, schools that have the highest metal detectors and the most cops, I'm not going to say that there's no school violence. A lot of schools ha have to deal with some level of student conflict, student violence, right. what have you. Um, but the thing that I find particularly interesting about policing in schools is, is one of the arguments that could be made as to why we need to keep the police presence in schools is for potential school shootings. I have to tell you, uh, uh, working with uh, kindergartners, one of the things that I dislike the most is going through school shooter drills, right? right. I understand the reality of where we live and, and why we need to do it, but it's very hard to convince that five, six-year-old that you are both safe and that we will keep you safe and healthy and happy and educated and at the same time have to run them through a very scary drill like that. So another kind of question that I, ha I have is, are we really mitigating violence on a campus with police there? And are we really trying to create a more cohesive relationship between police and the communities that they police by having police in those schools? Or are there some changes we need to make in our society laws um, around around access to guns. Are there other social responsibilities here that need to be taken up by our communities to protect kids in schools that don't necessarily put such a aggressive and intimidating presence in an environment that they should be learning in, that they should feel comfortable in? And you know, one of the things I'm thinking about is, um... Just like the the physical presence of like, cause you see officers even in posted. Cause like I, I go to, I do elevate, right? So I go to different like schools and like public schools in the New York city area. And I just see the physical presence of officers posted like walking throughout the, the schools and stuff. Like it's supposed to be like a sense of safety and security on the outside. Like that's what they're supposed to symbolize, you know? But then at the same time, the same kids probably like a lot of their parents watch the news and they'll see pictures or they'll see stories about the same officers doing, you know, very questionable things. Um, and it could, you know, not just officers in New York, but like just officers all around the country or, you know, not every single state, but like, you know what I mean? Like around, it's not like localized just to one spot. Um, but just that image, and it's so funny that that's what the, the news decides to keep constantly telling um, the whole world or telling the population uh, to, to kind of keep thinking about it or to be afraid of or to be a, like in fear. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I just like the it's it we, we kind of live in a world of contradictions where it's like on the one, they are, you're supposed to respect the police, you're supposed to see them as a symbol of professionalism and like how I said security but at the same time you see uh, the news painting a, a certain picture of police brutality and of all these different things that happen and 
I don't know, like, and the worst part is a lot of people be getting off too. What does that say? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I I, re I I read a book um, not too long ago. It's called Push Out by Monique Morris. Um, and she was saying uh, in this book, um, does a lot of interviews with students in schools and their experiences with police and um, how students get pushed out of their classrooms, not because they wanna be, um, but in some cases, because the SROs are pressing a, a, a regular a regular school incident, a uh, student talks back to a teacher, maybe uses some cusses, isn't handled as a school behavior, but a criminal behavior. And those kids are, uh, I believe she at one point noted some kids are encouraged by SROs to drop out. Or, or, you know, the minute you're on the street, I'm gonna know where you're at and I'm gonna be watching. And so that policing that they face in a school carries over to their personal life. So there's an, uh, um, a consistent level of tension that certain students are experiencing. And there's no way for them to learn when they are constantly in an elevated state of anxiety of the environments that they live in. And then the policing carries over to not just the actual police presence that uh, Monique goes into in this book, but kids getting sent home for cornrows. They're, oh, they that have happens to me, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like yeah. I had a mohawk one time, and I, I was sent home, and it's so funny. It's like, what? Like, what? Why? Like, are, yeah. is it because it's the distraction, or is it because, like, are you sending a certain message about, like, I don't know. Can I not wear my hair that way? Well, I don't know. Like it's just, I was a little confused at that. So mm -hmm. I was in high school when that happened. So yeah, I. But you know another thing too, because again, I didn't have the cops in my school, which was good because I went to like Mount St. Michael, so it's like a private school. But at the same time, a lot of public schools, like I was just thinking, you know, since a lot of public schools have cops, like that automatically increases the likelihood that you could get in trouble, like because they're right there. Um, but I was thinking mm -hmm. the same thing about in neighborhoods too. Like, you'll see a higher presence of it's like a chicken and the egg. Like, which one comes first? Like, is are the cops there because there's a higher crime presence, or like do the cops being there create like problems out of things that wouldn't be a problem had they not been there? Or like, you know, like do you kind of see what I'm saying? Like, uh, which one? Mm -hmm comes first it's like which which yeah. one is really causing which i don't know and I, I i think the answer is both i think they feed off of each other and i think it becomes something cyclical you know the mm -hmm. the episode we discussed housing and how housing has been constructed based on um racial segregation laws um and that in turn has increased poverty and in higher poverty areas where people need money in order for survival, you may see an increase in crime rate that will immediately attract an increase in police presence. That and will that immediately puts more in presence in the schools around in that area. Yeah, for quote unquote safety, but then the safety is never necessarily provided when those same students, let's say they're high school students, when they get out of school, have to go deal with those same cops walking in front of their, or on their block, driving past their houses, 
meeting them the next morning at school. Um, and so there's kind of a, a responsibility there where our society has created a cycle that has trapped people. And that's kind of where the school to prison pipeline comes in. We have constructed our schools to manufacture inmates for the prison industrial complex. We're putting yeah. them through security before they even get to their classroom. We have cops posted places. We have infractions that in a school, a school like I attended, a school like you attended, wouldn't have resulted in anything more than a teacher talking to me being more of an issue, detention, suspension, expulsion in schools where there's higher police presence. Um, and so that is keeping students, their families locked in a cycle of and not being able to get out. So that, yeah, that's why, you know, that's why we do this podcast because we want to try and uncover those systemic roots. Like what, what causes those systemic, what's the biggest gears and like what's driving them? How can we uproot them? And then how can we rebuild a, you know, what I like to say, a, a brighter future? Like how do you rebuild a school system that cultivates or develops the full human person and really sees people for their full of like abilities, their full potential, their full multifaceted capacities? Um, so yeah, like I really, I feel like we really hit a good, we kind of created like a little map between all the different episodes, you know, if you now, if you go through with a little microscope and like, or a magnifying glass and kind of try to see, all right, look at it through the lens of where's the systemic roots? Like, how can we kind of put pieces together? Um, we could start seeing that. So we should definitely keep making more episodes like this and it'll be more breadcrumbs because I think. Like we're, we're, we're creating a master plan and we're going to uh, unveil a, 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 a grand scheme for, for the next coming years. So just had to let that out, you know, let, let, them, let yeah. the listeners know. <laughs> no, we're going to create, a, create a, a, a map and a, a better, brighter educational future when you open your school. Um, well, I mean, that's really it. You just need to open multiple of them. Like, like, all right, one will be good. You know, like five is cool. But then like, if you have 10 in all 50 states, like that's just, all right, now we have to start paying attention. Like, I keep seeing that logo up here and I, I have logo ideas. Too, is it, so. it going to be called the Robert Astwood Academy? I don't know. I, I have no idea yet. I, I don't know. Maybe... I don't know. I was thinking something like Aster Education. I don't know Aster Enterprises. I don't know who knows. I, <laughs> no idea yet. But um, it'll be something with my name. I, I don't know. You know. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 really fun to explore the um, like how I said, like the big the big gears, the big underlying um, problems that are in this in society. And I do think you know. I think the un- the things causing racism, like the housing, the redlining, the the school to prison, or like the criminalization of BIPOC individuals, that's a big one. Part of like the systemic um, underlining, um, the funding problem, and all these different things. They all funnel to the same issue. So you know, as long as we just keep coming up with different concepts and or you know revealing these different concepts 
I think we'll be uh, we'll be on our track, on our way to what did, what did we what did I say? The number one leading reforming uh, education podcast of 2022. Yeah, that's that's it. So we got to let the mm-hmm. listeners know. You know, we got to talk more like this about like you know the things that we actually intend to do. Just a little bit to remind listeners. Go ahead. Sorry. I, no, I was just say there it is. There's the, there's the only goal. The only right, goal right. for 2022. Right. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So yeah, you know what? I think we should definitely. I don't. You probably have more questions for this topic because I think we should definitely do another episode for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And good. Good. I just have. Uh, I can leave the audience with one question, which is: In what ways were you policed in schools that either resulted in a higher punishment than you feel like you deserved, um, suspended you, expelled you, made you go home and change your hair? And what, what do you think was the reason for that? I'm like, I was going to answer myself, but I, I don't know. I feel like they, because mine was a Catholic school. So I, I don't know, maybe it's because they were really Catholic. So I don't they didn't want things interfering with their rules. I don't know. But who knows? It could have been a race thing there too. I don't know. Who knows? Hey. <laughs> well, just, just not, yeah. And, and just how are we constructing industries? let's call education and industry, how are we constructing our systems to align only with one specific demo, one with one specific image in mind of how, of what is professional, what is acceptable, what is, uh, what is going, adhering to the rules and what is not adhering to the rules. And in inherently in that, who are we excluding? When oh okay, you can have a, a French braid but not cornrows. You know, cornrows are are against the rules. Um, or you you know what I mean? Like where where are the lines being drawn of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable, and and who who is it being shaped for and who is it being used against? That's a good question. And now that'll definitely be a, that'll be a good post. So this is a good vocal. We're just making a vocal point. I got to make this a post. All right. Or reminder. All right, guys, you're, you've been listening to us for the past five minutes. You've probably just been rambling on about what we're going to do for the future. So you, you probably, if you're a real fan, you're probably still listening, but yeah. for those of you who are already signed off, Hey, sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you for listening. This has been Hasta Education. We're out here. We're trying to re- reshape the education system to be just more fair, more equitable, more supportable, more like geared toward cultivating the full human person. Like, you know, human people, we have a lot of things to offer and it's time we start supporting that. So let's do it. Um, shout out to 2022. Oh, oh, give me a follow at Astro underscore education. Uh, and Catherine, if you can remember your, your name. It is Catherine underscore McKenna underscore. Awesome. So I that's, better that's not change it. On Instagram, yeah, because, yeah, if you change it, then it would probably take five more episodes for you to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay, great, 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 great. Great stuff. So message her about some questions or, you know, hopefully, I don't know if you guys are messaging us yet, but, um, you know, message us. Um, and, hey, stay cultivating. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.